0: there either so I even went broke into the open pro division which is a professional at 16 years old and I still was not winning anything so I really didn't have any like major major achievements even on, on a national level until I was like uh 19 years
1: old you're listening to Hawk Talk a podcast all about the origin stories of the most interesting people in the world today you know our guests is famous athletes authors and entrepreneurs but there's so much more to the story Let's get into today's interview with your host, Eric Huberman. All right, you're listening to
2: Hawk Talk. I'm here today with Keith St. Ange. How are you? Yeah, good, good. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for coming on. So got to take it back. I assume you were born barefoot.
0: <laughs> of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> with the best wow. thing too for a barefooter, flat feet. Flat feet. There you go. So it was both <laughs> for it. So yeah, where are you from? Where, where did it all start? Uh, originally, I was born in Nashua, New Hampshire, and then my parents moved north to Berlin, New Hampshire, which is like sixty miles south of the Canadian border. So, way up there, you wouldn't think a, a water ski would come from that neck I of the woods, but, uh, but that's that's where I'm from.
2: And were you were they athletes? What, what tell me about your parents?
0: Uh, they did water ski. So my grandfather uh, had a cabin on a lake, and they went up there every weekend during the summer, and they did water ski. Yeah. So. Uh, my dad was actually, yeah, he was quite the athlete. He was a um, captain of his hockey high school team, his junior and senior year. And they won the state championship both years. In New so, Hampshire? In New Hampshire. Yeah. Nice. We're, we're from like a hockey town. Nice. So, uh, so yeah, he did that. And my mom was, of course, cheerleader on the cheerleading team. And that's how they met. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice. You had the classic upbringing. So, um, and growing up, were you an athlete as well? Did you, were you always into, were you into hockey?
0: uh i was into skating i tried hockey at an early age and it just didn't fit for me as years went on i wish i would have you know stuck with it and stayed with it it, because in our town like i said it's all about the hockey but i just didn't like it at the time and my dad didn't push me he was like hey if you don't like it we'll find something else so yeah, yeah, i played a lot of soccer and yeah i was always very competitive as a kid
2: and like, as a young kid, like what did you think you wanted to be where, when you grow up, grew up? up, Were you always like athlete focused or were you, did you have some other aspirations?
0: No, yeah, I was probably athlete focused. Um, so we did a lot of snowmobiling during the winter up there. We did a lot of snow skiing. Um, so, you know, those were kind of the fun things. But when I started barefoot water skiing, I was about 10. But at 13 years old is when my parents kind of said, hey, you know, like if you want to do this uh, for fun, we can do it for fun. That's fine. But if you want to do this and like compete, and like travel and go to nationals and regionals and go all over the country, then you're going to have to like train hard and you're going to have to allow us to push you. So they're like, what do you want to do? And you want to have fun or you want to go for it? And I, and I was, that's the moment I said, yeah, I want to go for it. I just, I want to put everything in I can and train hard and and do that. So that that's kind of like, you're just asking, you know, that's, it's always been my motive, of athlete driven It um, never was really, into school, didn't really enjoy school much, uh, you know, be student, kind of just made it, did what I had to do. But yeah, it's good it though. To-
2: it's, it's it's acceptable.
0: <laughs> it's acceptable. Exactly. But yeah, I was always more athletic than and enjoyed that that type of
2: thing. Nice. And and so where do you think that came from in terms of like the difference between I want a hobby and I want to go for it? Like, was that were your parents high achievers? Or was it like, where, where do you think you had that when they said at 13 years old, like you're having fun doing this for three years, but if you want to go for it, it's going to take a lot of work and we're going to push you. Are you into it? And you're going, yeah, let's do it.
0: Yeah, I think that really stemmed from some of the uh, the people I looked up to and some of the idols that I had and, and the top barefoot water skiers at the time. Uh, when I was 10 years old, 9, 10 years old, the best barefoot water skier in the world, the world champion, Mike Seipel, came to our lake and put on a clinic and taught us. And that's yeah. how I learned how to barefoot water ski. So he was kind of like my not, not just a driving factor, not just a motivational factor, but he really outlined exactly like, Hey, you can do this, make a living at it, be the best in the world. And for some reason at 13, man, he sold me on it. I was just like, that's, that's who I want to be. I want, I want to be that. Um, but the other driving force too, was my cousin, uh, which, which was my coach for years, his nickname is swampy. I never was able to take instruction from my father when, when we were skiing and training, cause it just wasn't fun, right? They tell you, hey, make your bed, take up the track, do this. And I didn't want him telling me something else to do while I was trying to have fun. Yeah. So my cousin Swampy, he he was just, he's a natural coach and he was a born leader and him, he had no problem pushing me, kicking me in the butt and figuring out the fundamentals that we needed to work on. And he was always just motivating me and just push me, in. And that, that was a huge drive.
2: Got it. And so you got into it, you just, were you a water skier before a barefoot water skier? Like, were you going up with your parents on the lake every other weekend or like, how we were did
0: you- on, We were on the lake, yeah. yeah. Uh, I started on a knee board, and no joke. When I was eight years old, they put me on a kneeboard and I was petrified of the lake because I didn't want the fish to bite my toes. Yeah. So I like, didn't like swimming in the lake. And, um, and then that next summer is when the world champion came up. So I learned how to barefoot water ski pretty much right after I kneeboarded. I, I water skied and then learned how to barefoot that same summer. And I yeah. never went back to water skiing. It was just barefoot from then on.
2: And I was going to, so, okay. So you get to 13, you decide to try, start testing yourselves. Um, Does that, did you immediately start winning Were you like a naturally gifted athlete in this or how did it go from there?
0: I was learning fast, but at all the competitions I went to, I I didn't win any of them um, for several years. Wow. Um, And how many a
2: year were you going to? I'm curious, like how many times did you whack, better word, lose and still stick with it?
0: Oh man, so much. So let's see. Uh probably so 10, 13, 14, probably for 4 years really no no success as far as winning winning. Wow.
2: But you kept training, you kept going, you were determined about it
1: anyways. was well,
0: so funny because I saw my childhood I call him rival. He wasn't really a rival because he actually kicked my butt at every single tournament when we were in the junior boy division. And I just saw him this last weekend and I thanked him and he's like, thanks for what? And I said, for motivating me, I was trying to chase you. I was trying to beat you. I was trying, and, and, and that, that guy just motivated me. I could one, I guess, cause I couldn't beat him. And two, he was yeah. just that much better than me that if he could do it, I knew I could do it. Yeah. And that, that just pushed me to the, to the next level. So, yeah. So the story kind of goes on. I didn't, I did start winning in a regional. It's around 14, you said. Yeah. Around 14. I started, yeah. I started winning in the, in like the regional competitions, the smaller local competitions. Yeah. But when I went to nationals, I didn't win anything there either. So I even went broke into the open pro division, which is a professional at 16 years old. And I still was not winning anything. So I really didn't have any like major, major achievements, even on, on a national level until I was like, uh, 19 years old.
2: And so you're, you you were still in high school. I assume you finished high school. Yes. Did you go to college?
0: No, I did not. So I, I, I went to a community college. So I moved to Florida, went to community college, yeah. and and that's kind of when my skiing was taking off. And I started the ski school. And I was like, you know, what? I just I'm not into school. No, I'll, I'll go back. Of you know what happens when you when you when you don't, yeah. continue, you don't go back. <laughs>
2: yeah. So okay, so you you moved to Florida right after high school and opened a uh, water skiing school. Yes. Yeah. Is that the one I saw when I came out
0: there? Uh, no, it morphed okay. into that one, cool. yeah. So um, like it started pretty small and then we grew it.
2: That's awesome. And so you get down there, you're teaching. I assume that's what's paying the bills is the teaching side of things.
0: No, when I moved to Florida, uh, I had a thousand bucks in my pocket and worked part time and got a boat sponsor. And luckily, I had won at 19 years old, I had won a national championship overall title. So oh, you did, 20, yeah, uh-huh. I did at 19. I finally won one. Yeah. Um, it was the first gold medal I ever won in the nationals as a and it was funny because had a junior boys and boys I never won anything and then it yeah. took like become a pro to actually win a gold yeah so yeah I moved down there and started this ski school but it wasn't enough to pay the bills it was just it's just what I love to do really and yeah. I had to do a job on the side I actually set up ice sculptures at Disney and Epcot and C for a company uh, like the Dork in the graveyard ship. <laughs>
2: That's, I mean, Hey, listen, it's, it's a, you know, a testament that you did what you had to do to pursue the passion, which is awesome. And so how long did it take you win in 19? Did you win at 20 years old as well? Did you just keep winning in a row?
0: Yeah. So I won quite a few after that. Yeah. I won at like yeah. 19, uh, 20, and then I lost one or two, but then I, then I won like three or four and yep. it kind of, kind of, it went up and down. I had a big rival. Ron Scarpa was a big rival back then. And he and I went back and forth got it. Uh, many times
2: and did was there a point where this became like it can because it's you know it's a cool sport but obviously it's not the most viewed sport in the world mm-hmm. did you get to a point where it be actually started to support you oh um, yeah
0: yeah yeah i'd probably say uh when i was probably about 22 23 it, it actually started paying the bills um just barely paying the bills but i can do but it you have been
2: which is awesome. And you had been doing it for 13 years. You stuck with it, working through everything. And there's been a couple of people on here that have done that, um, in terms of like, just pursued it for so long, doing everything they have to, to do it, but then it, you get to do that. And then, so you were making money and all you had to do is wake up and go barefoot water skiing.
0: Yeah, it literally. And that's all I ever wanted to do. Like, it wasn't even about like how much the goal wasn't about how much money can I make? It was oh, just, yeah. It was about like yeah, living the passion. And yeah, wow. I would, we woke up, we got in the boat. We were in the boat all day. I had students teaching them, training them. I was training and we literally wouldn't come in. We'd come in for lunch and then we wouldn't come in until it like got dark. And that, yeah. I just loved it. I just loved yeah.
2: it. And so how long did you keep that up? How I many? I mean, how many titles have you won? Whether it's the actual.
0: Uh, 19 overall national titles.
2: 19. And uh, how many years? Like, cause you joined at 18, right?
0: Yeah. So from, from 10 years old till, uh, uh, just my last term, it was in 2018.
2: And how old are you at that point?
0: So I was 41.
2: Okay. But really 19 out of what is that? 22 years. Yep. <laughs> it's incredible. <28. laughs> so you, you <laughs> might, you might, it's fair to say you might be the goat as far as barefoot water skiing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would say I, Right. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I think
2: I think objectively, you get to say that it's not gloating when it's you won 19 out of 22 years well, years. well,
0: it was more. Yeah, it was like 30. Right, it was like 30, 25. Yeah, yeah, a little over that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. um, that's awesome. And so, as you've progressed, like, how was that process? I mean, actually, I'm curious. After you win for a few years, how was it to lose?
0: Yeah, the, uh, the you know the losing it's so mandatory. I think because yeah. it, it's what drives the motivation. You know, yeah. it just you get mad, you get you get that chip on the shoulder. It it just it pushes you. So yeah, losing you know it's never fun, but it, it's it's so important. Like I tell all these young kids, you know they they see my world championship status and national status, and I tell them I said you but you don't realize I've lost you know fifty times more than I've won, and, yeah. and that's and and it, that's what it takes. And of course, everybody says, you know, if you had a failed to fail, win and all that, but, but, uh, losing and even injuries, you know, it really, really teaches you and pushes you and motivates you to get to the next level. Yep.
2: Yeah, no. And, and through, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's what's my train of thought. Um, the, I wanted to ask you something else. So throughout those years of continuing with it, how, how have you seen the sport transform? Like what has happened with it? Like I, it, I see it being coming more and more. I'm seeing videos on TikTok and stuff of people doing it. Like it seems to be getting more and more popular.
0: Yeah. You know, we went through that stage where tournaments back in the day were really big and huge. Um, And then, and then, yeah, they were, they were massive. Uh, And now tournaments are really kind of, kind of, they're, they're not really that. Then, well, they're not big, but they're not people. They're not popular because people just don't have the time to go to a tournament, sit there all day and stuff. Yep. But it's done the reverse. Like you said, now it's on TikTok and now it's on social media. So there's more exposure. Um, So more people are seeing it. So, so really people are, there's more people seeing it. There's more people doing it, just not on the tournament side, not on the tournament level.
2: Yeah. Speaking of tournaments, how does the scoring work? Is it just like style, like kind of like figure skating where it's like style and doing certain tricks will get you more points, that kind of thing?
0: No, it's every trick has its own point value okay um, plain and simple so you have so you have slalom trick and jump uh-huh. you have two passes <clears throat> excuse me you can go down and which is 15 seconds so when you start your trick run, you have 15 seconds to do as many tricks as you can then you have a second pass and then they compile all the tricks and the scores and the points and that's your total
1: slalom
0: the slalom event is where you cross the weight on one or two feet back and forth from curl to curl so 15 seconds to do that. So if you cross on two feet, it's a half a point. If you cross on one foot, it's one point. Um, and, and that's how they do that. Forward pass and a backwards pass. I still uh-huh. have a world record in that, actually. I've held that world record in that event for since 2006.
2: What is that record?
0: <clears throat> 20.6. So 20.6 crosses, about 20 and a half crossings in 30 seconds. Wow.
2: On, on one or two <laughs> feet?
0: On one foot.
2: Yeah. See, I, and you know, for the audience, you took me out. We met up in Whistler, and then you're like, "Yeah, if you're ever down in Florida, come. Bear, I'll teach you how to barefoot water scan. It was like three weeks later, I have, happened to have to go to Florida, and so I was like, "Yeah, I'm in." And we went out with my. I just resurfaced the pic, video of my buddy trying to hang on for dear life while I was learning <laughs> and like dragging behind and then getting it again and then catching a toe and just <laughs> tumbling. Yeah. You didn't um, do as
0: good as you, you, you did pretty well. You, got pretty there. Well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you did it. It was you awesome still
2: have to eat crap a couple times, but it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's fun, man. It's a, it's a blast. I, I got to get back out there. But, um, and so, uh, and so you, what do you, what's, uh, you kept going with it. How has that, how has the sport progressed in terms of, you know, I've seen like you take surfing and uh, what's his name? Kai Leonard, I there. Kai, forget the guy's name, but like there's these surfers that have come out and are just a whole different type of surfer. And like you get a lot to that with different action sports of like you, the new guard comes in, they build off of what you've done, and now are doing stuff that you never even thought of that are ridiculous and seemed impossible. Has that happened with barefoot water skiing at all?
0: It hasn't happened quite yet. I imagine it will. Um, mm-hmm. So since I, so I kind of retired from the three event side of of barefoot water skiing in 2018. And what I did it, I kind of, I kind of made something unique in the trick world is before you do a trick and you'd survive through it. And then you'd have a couple of seconds to regroup and do another trick. What I started doing is I started taking the tricks and really molding them together from one trick to the other and really just making it just a nice confluence happen. And And that's what really set me apart from the older generation skiers is that they they really couldn't pack in as many tricks as I could. Uh, And then um, David Small came around, which was my partner at the ski school for years. Uh, He came around and he, his style was a little cleaner than mine. Mine was a little old school, kind of dirty. So he was clean and he could put all these tricks together, molded them nicely. And he kind of set the bar for being the cleanest and fastest tricker like ever.
1: Cool.
0: Um, yeah. So he kind of stemmed off me, learned that from me, and then he took it to the next level and it's still kind of there. Like nobody's really gone outside the realm of crazy new tricks or doing tricks faster or jumping further or slaloming more. It's kind of just like, it's kind of plateaued. Yep. Um, but I imagine, you know, give it five, 10 years with new equipment and boats and things like that. And you know all the video that's getting out there yeah. and all the notoriety these people are doing, they're going to start trying and doing crazier things, which right yeah, I can't wait to see.
2: Yeah, it'll be fun. And so, two asked questions for you number one, what's next now that you're retired? Do you, you still running the school?
0: Uh, no, so I sold okay. the ski school three years yeah. ago. Okay, uh, so what happened there was I was starting to get burnt out, mm-hmm. and I was telling the guys in the ski school, Guys, I'm getting burnt out, I need to change, I need something different, I, I don't want to be in the boat anymore. Just needed to change. So we started uh, Winter Haven Water Sports was a rental, like Mm -hmm. pontoon jet ski business and all that started that. And um, I had my real estate license at that time, because we'd have all these people come down to that down to Florida. And they were like, man, this place is awesome chain of lakes. This is cool. I want to buy a house down here. So we were constantly telling them, Hey, go to this, our friend, he's a realtor in town and, and, you know, buy from him. And we were just always just throwing in clients. And that guy said, Hey, I'm retiring soon. I don't want anybody else. You guys, why don't you get your real estate license yeah. and just sell direct to your clients? So we did. So we got a real estate license and uh, we started selling direct. And it's an awesome kind
2: of- hook. We'll take you bare- barefoot water skiing as long as you buy a house.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's funny because we'd be skiing sometimes and be like, see that house right there? It's for sale. It's X amount yeah. of dollars. And they're like, oh, really? Well, let's go look at it after. All right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was kind of funny. Uh, and then, yeah. And so I, when I sold the ski school, I just went, went into real estate full time. Um, nice. and it's been really good. You know, I've got three kids and a family and we we're traveling a lot and training a lot. I really didn't have the time to devote towards all that anymore, especially with the little burnt out feeling that it was, yeah. it was a really nice transition.
2: No, that's awesome. So in your web and real estate.
0: Yeah, I am. I am the first couple of years. It's not fun learning all the, the lawyer mumbo jumbo and the contract, but once you yeah. get through that, yeah, I really enjoy it now.
2: That's super fun. And last question for you. So for other people looking to pursue their dreams, like you really, I mean, again, 19 times in the past 22 years, you have won the world championship in a sport. Is anyone, first off, does anyone else have that? Does that exist in any other sport?
0: I I don't know. We'll have to
2: do our research, but like, I don't know (laughs) that that exists. I remember when me, I think I met you when it was 14 times and then we've, you know, it's been a while since. And so the the fact that that's incredible what would you say to someone that wants to pursue their dream, their passion, whatever that might be, if it's work, if it's, you know, something different, a hobby? Like what what do you think that you wish you were told or you were told that really got you to that level?
0: Um, you know, and I hate trying repeating what people, you know, always say in these in these situations and these questions that are asked but i mean you just gotta do it makes you happy you know plain yes. and simple just follow your heart follow that gut feeling If it's what you love it's what you love yeah um you know obviously you got to pay the bills but if you can find a way to do what you love and 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 live comfortably and happily then that's what you do um yep. i think most people don't think they can achieve certain things and i guess i'll try i'll try to try to paint the picture here is once you get to that, that level, you realize I can, I can do anything now, whatever I want to do, I I can do, but people need to realize that before they make it to those high levels that you can do anything you want to do. Um, You know, anything like I'm not good with, I I always hated numbers and, and things like that, but I'm in real estate now. That's all numbers And, and I can do it and I can achieve it. And it's because of, what I achieved in the water skiing realm that gave me the confidence to do what I do now. But you've got to take it one step before that and just give yourself and know that whatever it is you want to do, you can achieve it. You got to yep. work hard at it. You know, you got to work harder than others if you want to be successful at it. Um, and that's what it takes. It takes the time, it takes the passion, it takes the heart and it takes the knowing that you can do it. You just got to keep telling yourself, I can do it. I will do it, I will learn it. I don't care if I get to study this thing five times more than the, than the first guy. You know, it seems it seems weird. It seems like the people that are really intelligent and smart sometimes, I've seen this a lot, is if they learn something quick and easy, they they get bored with it and they move on to something else, you know? Yep. And they learn it quick and easy and they get bored with it and they move on to something else. But it's, but sometimes those people never really master one specific exactly. thing. Exactly. Yep. They're too busy moving on to the next. So yep. just, you know, I would I would say... Focus on mastering one thing first before yeah. you move on to something else.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's great advice. Came up with one more question because I got to ask you, which I usually end on that, but <laughs> and crazy alligator stories since you're always on the Blakes in, uh, in Florida.
0: Yeah, I'm constantly telling people always coming down to ski and they're like, I don't want to get in the water, the, the alligators. But I, I, this is how I kind of explain it is that if you go hiking out West and there's a grizzly bear in the woods, that's kind of scary, right? Yeah. A grizzly bear to me is kind of like a crocodile. They're yeah. aggressive. Crocodiles are aggressive. Yeah. Grizzlies are aggressive. Black bear, you see a black bear in the woods, it runs the other way. If yeah. if you even see it, for one, because usually yeah. they can smell you from miles yeah. away and they're gone. Alligators the same way as a black bear. They yeah. want nothing to do with you. They're afraid of you. They know where you are. There's a boat there, the running engine, all yeah. that stuff. So one time, I provoked a situation with an alligator, <laughs> which, was, which is actually on the same, like you, you learn how to barefoot on that same- Oh, er, the few times
2: on. I fell, I was looking everywhere every time I fell. I don't know if you noticed. I was, keeping oh, yeah. my, I was, just, I was just like doing back and
0: forth. Like. <laughs> the people lay in their backs, the feet are up in the air, their hands are like this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but but yeah, what I, uh, I was at the end of the line you know, seventy-five feet back behind the boat, and I was almost there. I was like five or ten feet from the, the handle coming to me as the boat was pointing to me. And I looked at the side, and it was an alligator over there. So I, I wanted to play a trick on the alligator. So I went under the water. And when I went under the water, the gators don't know where you go. So typically, you you really scare them because they're like, well, where that where that thing goes? So they usually they usually leave you alone. Um, that was a trick an old an old guy taught me. Well this time the gator was on the shoreline it didn't have anywhere to go and it was springtime so it had had babies um <laughs> so when i went under <clears throat> i'm like oh, i'm gonna scare this gator though the people in the boat will laugh it'll take off or something when i came up the thing was swimming straight at me oh, shit. <laughs> yeah it wasn't like a 10 footer but it was probably six six foot or so i mean big enough to enough, yeah <laughs> to scare you and I just saw that thing coming, blasting at me. And I just say, go, 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 hit it, hit it, hit it. And, you know, the handle's not at me. And I'm like, you know, pull up the slack. So they finally get the handle to me. And my buddy, what he decides to do is he's laughing. They're all laughing at me, you know, because I'm freaking out basically. Yeah. And I get the handle. The gator's coming towards me. They're laughing. And they finally hit the throttle and take off. And I just, you know, don't mean I can picture in my mind as like this gator, like chomping yeah. at me as I'm holding on. I just don't let go whatever you do. And I took off. I mean, I don't know how close it got to me. It always feels closer than it was, but it was close. It was too close. I I never again will I taunt a gator. (laughs) Seems like a bad move. Well, Keith, this
2: has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on Hawk
1: Talk.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, man. And we are looking forward to getting you back on the water yourself someday.
1: 100%. Hawk Media is your outsourced CMO and marketing team. We'll dive into your business for free. Identify opportunities in your marketing strategy. Then get you teamed up with individual experts, all month to month and a la carte. Whether you're looking for a Facebook advertiser, a web designer, or a fractional CMO, we can help you drive growth for your business. We've successfully grown over 2,500 brands, and we're here to help you too. No matter your goal, we've got you covered. To learn more, visit hawkmedia.com. That's hawk with an E, media.com.